Isaac, um, we're going to. I had a film clip for you, and uh, for a lot of different reasons. I'm not going to run it. I'll tell you about it in a few minutes, though. And uh, I want to jump right into this today. And if you have a, one of our little series cards, you know that we've spent last week and this week on, um, for lack of a better term, sexual issues. Maybe that's why we're down on the crowd today. <laughs> you think? No. No, it's more to do with school being out and, and um, people are skiing somewhere. But um, anyway... Uh, Last week, we, if you weren't here, and, and the CDs will be available for you for next week, uh, the CDs for last week and for this week, I think. We should have those um, uh, for you to take with you. And, of course, they're always available on the uh, website as of Sunday afternoon, usually both the written notes, um, as well as, which is more than you get here in PowerPoint, and uh, as well as the, uh, the audio and so forth. So just so you'll know that, um, renaissancechurch.org. Um, most of you know about that. Anyway, we're talking about ten things that make the church church cringe, and we took two weeks, this is our second week, to talk about this whole area of, of uh, sex, or last week my title was uh, Getting Good Sex from the Bible, this week my title is Getting More Good Sex Still from the Bible, and I want to begin by, by telling you this, I was raised in a church since the time I was probably two years old, oh no, gosh, since I was two weeks old, as I've mentioned before, my mother didn't believe in a nursery, so I was literally in church, um, but I want you to know, when I finally learned that the verses that I'm taking you to were in the Bible, and I, that wasn't until I was an adult and married, um, well, just about to get married, um, I was shocked that something that practical, something that apropos to my life was in the Bible. And so if there's a little extra uh, passion or a little extra emphasis on my part, uh, on this, it's because it, I'm pretty fired up about, number one, this subject is one I always like talking about, but also, but also the fact that, that God, in his, in his love and in His care and His concern for us as His creatures, puts some such specific things in the Bible. And, uh, and I emphasize again, the Bible's not a boring book. Uh, people have made the Bible boring, and pastors and preachers and teachers and so forth have made the Bible boring, but it's not boring. And there's all kinds of good stuff in here. And I'm going to show you some of that today. Some of these verses we touched on last time, and uh, let me be repetitive on that, I hope, because I want to, I want to show you these, uh, these other things today. And we're talking, basically, our, 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 our theme is very simple, principles of fulfilled lovemaking from the inventor of sex. Pretty good, uh, pretty good title, pretty good title. Uh, everything you ever wanted to know about the Bible and sex, but you never thought to ask, maybe you were afraid to ask. For some of you, this will apply directly to where you are in life right now. For some of you, it's where you're going to be. Some of you who are younger. Uh, for some of us, maybe it doesn't apply because either I'm not married or, um, or, or whatever. You know what? There's not a person alive that can't learn from this and use this. Uh, whether it be in their own personal life right now, or whether it be with their children, or whether it be with friends, and so forth, because this is one of the huge issues of life, and you know that. And there's a lot of, well, I'm just going to say, there's a lot of crap out there floating around about this kind of stuff that I want to, well, let's just go to the inventor. Let's just go to the person who, who shows us and showed us what this is all about, and that's God. So I got four very simple principles for you. Um, 
of fulfilled lovemaking. Notice I use that term instead of sex. Lovemaking from the inventor of sex. The, first, the four thoughts I want you to think about, and we'll talk about each one. The first one is this. Lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. Lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. I want to show you a couple of passages. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And um, beginning in verse 1, Now about the questions you ask in your letter. Yes, it is good to live a celibate life. You say, what does he mean by that? Well, it's good if you can. But look what he says in verse 2. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Equal opportunity here. It's not sexist. He says each man should have his own wife. Each woman should have her own husband. Real clear. Uh, why? And when you look at that, when you th- the Bible assumes that we're going to live in the culture that we live in. And sometimes we like to talk about, well, gosh, look at the age in which we live. Look at what's on halftime of the Super Bowl. Look at this and look at that, you know. Let me tell you something. While we have new forms in terms of media, the, the issue is not a new issue. This is written in 65 A.D. You know, I'm going to show you some stuff that was written... A couple hundred years before Christ in just a second. So this is not a new issue. So just get that out of your mind. Let me show you the other passage that I want you to think about and we'll make some points about it. And this is from Proverbs. Drink water from your own well. Share. We saw this last week. I want to see it again. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in public having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Don't share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated or intoxicated by her love. I, I want to, before I leave that verse, just make a note about something. This is written a few hundred years before Christ. Lived, was born. Le, the, rejoice in the wife of your youth. You think it's a new thing? That we men, being the dirt balls that we are, I'll just, I'll just, thank you, thank you. No amens, no amens, okay? <laughs> Do you think it's a new thing that we men sometimes are attracted to younger women, particularly as we get a little older? Okay? Is that a new thing? Nope. Here it was a few hundred years before Christ. And apparently there was an issue because Solomon was inspired by God to write, Rejoice in the wife of your youth with the assumption that maybe you might have a desire to do something else. I think that's pretty interesting. This isn't a new battle. Trophy wives are not new. Okay? Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, (laughs) It wasn't in my notes. But that's not new. God assumed this would be an issue, and that's why he said, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Proverbs 31, we don't, I don't have it for you, but I just, just real quick, it's an interesting thing there. And Proverbs 31 talks about the virtuous woman. And it's interesting to me, and I heard this the first time from an Old Testament scholar, and I thought it was pretty cool. He said Proverbs 31 wasn't written for women to know what a virtuous woman was. Proverbs 31 was written for men so they wouldn't, so they wouldn't make all their judgments based upon their eyes and on their glance. And I, that's a pretty good point because they sh- you should look at the character of, of, the, of the female, uh, not just other things, okay? So, 
Lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. It's intended for a husband and for a wife. He makes that very clear in those passages that we just, uh, that we just had. Go back. We're not there yet. Okay? Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's for a lifetime love affair. And when you, I'm going to go back to the next verse. Go back one more verse. Because I want you to see that. He said, it is good, in verse 2, because there's so much... Each man should have his own wife. Each woman should have her own husband. Lovemaking was intended for husbands and a wives, a wife and a husband. Um, it was intended for an unconditional love relationship. An unconditional love relationship. And let me just make a little point here. That takes performance out of it and makes lovemaking not a performance type of thing. And we live in a performance kind of world. It makes lovemaking an expression of love. That's a huge difference because sometimes we watch movies or we watch TV or we read books and we think, well, this isn't happening or that isn't happening. And, this, and I went, you know, and, and we need to talk about some of these issues as, as with our mates. But the issue here is this is an expression of love. This is not a performance track. Things happen. Health changes. Women have babies. Men have work issues. And, and over the period of time, you know, it's just not always like you thought it should be, according to some TV show or some movie or some book that you read or maybe something that you conjured up in your own mind. So it's intended for a lifetime love affair of, of, of just expression of love. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a moment in this next point, but I don't want to go there yet. Stay right where we are, because um, there are some hindrances here, and I'm just going to just tell you about those hindrances that we have that keep this kind of thing from happening. You probably don't need to hear it from me, but, but you're going to hear it from me anyway. Um, if you don't know this, this is a good place to learn about this. One of the hindrances to this happening between a husband and a wife is there are, I'm going to speak about it from a man's perspective. You ladies can do it the other way because it also works the other way. From a man's perspective, there are women on the prowl just looking for a new challenge for whatever reason. Sometimes because they care, sometimes because of ego. And by the way, it works the other way too. There are men just like that. And sometimes you're in the workplace and that person that you're working with, we know this happens so many times. I've, I've dealt with it a number of times with friends and tried to help them through some of those issues. Um, there are people on the prowl. That's why we need to be warned by God from the truth that he writes for us here as to how this thing should work. There's another thing called expectations sometimes. Here's where I was going to use the film clip. There's a couple things that I wasn't, I don't know, I just didn't feel terribly comfortable with. And you know if I say that, it must be something. But, uh, um, but it, it was a film, it's only about 30 seconds anyway, so it wasn't that long, but it was a film clip from the, from the TV show Friends. And it's pretty interesting. And it, it was, it's kind of funny, part of it was, in the sense that it was uh, uh, Chandler and... Joey, I think, uh, they had, um, they got free porn on their TV, okay, and, and they were afraid to turn off the TV because they were afraid it wasn't going to be there if they turned off the TV and turned it back on again. So these guys, I don't know how long the show lasts, but I mean, how long in the show, 30 minute show, but how long a period of time supposedly passes, but they're just, they're just absorbing all this free pornography on TV, and, and finally, um, one of them comes in after, toward the end of the show and he says, hey, 
Hey, I was at the bank today, and there was this really hot bank teller lady, and, and she didn't ask me to get it on in the, in the bank vault. And really, yeah. And then, and then he says, well, I had a really hot pizza delivery lady, and, and she didn't ask me if we wanted to do something either. He said, and they looked at each other, and they were like, we got to turn off the porn, you know? And the point being, they had been conditioned watching this so much, they had been conditioned to think, this, the, you know, all women are beautiful, all women have one thing on their mind, and, and it, just, it just conditioned them in such a way. And here's what I want you to see about this. One of the many things, and I'm not, this isn't a, a sermon against pornography, although it, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. One of the many things, and one of the many issues in our world that is just proliferated with pornography, or soft pornography. And I'm not talking about Super Bowl halftime shows. I'm talking about stuff much, much more detailed than that. One of the problems is it builds a certain level of expectation. Time Magazine, Time Magazine just had a whole article, two or three articles on this. And part of their whole point was, and I thought this was a great point, they said what happens is men begin looking at women as you know, thighs or backs or butts or legs or, or, or other things, you know, appendages as opposed to people. You know, and, and that's a true thing. And so one of the things that you think about if you're, and, and I know and that's one of the things that, that those, those books that Ike was talking about earlier that we have for you are a lot about that as well because I know a lot of people struggle with this and it's not, I mean, I've seen the, I've seen the, I don't know what, what you would, not just the proliferation, but I've seen almost the respectability that has been given, almost, not quite, to pornography in my lifetime, whereas it's been taken from, when I was a, a, a teenager and how, you know, only a guy would go to that kind of a theater, that's really nasty, you know, to now where you don't have to go to those kind of places anymore. You know, just television or other kinds of movies or, or, or the computer certainly is, is, is the most common, it seems like, these days. Expectations is one of the great hindrances to this lo- lovemaking that's intended for a lifetime love affair. We have wrong, in many cases, fantasy-type expectations. And guys, I want to challenge the guys, ladies, it's not, you're, not, you're not exempt, but we, we need to be careful what we, what we graze on mentally. We need to be careful what we allow into our minds because it has a way of sinking into our hearts. And then all of a sudden, we have some incredible views of what lovemaking of sex is supposed to be that we never, we didn't gain from just our own relationship with our mate. But we gained from watching two performers do something else on a computer screen or on TV or on a movie. So those are just some of the hindrances that we can think about. Point is this, lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. It really is. And in the context of what God gives us, that's terrific. Let me show you the second thing that we had jumped to a moment ago. Let me go ahead and just... Lovemaking should be centered on your wife or on your husband. Now, there's another passage. Let me just show you this. This is, this is part of what we have seen. The husband should not deprive his wife, again, 1 Corinthians 7, should not deprive his wife of sexual intimacy, which is her right as a married woman. Nor should the wife deprive her husband. Equal opportunity here. Verse 4, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband. And the husband also gives authority over his body to his wife. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations. You say, man, 
Where is that in the Bible? I need to, I need to underline that. I uh, one time was teaching on, on this in a different setting. And I read those verses. And some guy, <laughs> it was in a church, and some guy, apparently I didn't know all the details of that, kept, kept coming up to me afterwards. That's a great message. That's a great message. That's a great message. And I was thinking, oh, okay, I wonder if we need to go explore that a little further there. But anyway, um, again, one of those passages of Scripture you may not even know is there, but it's there. Why? Because God cares about the whole person. He cares about the whole person. No demands here. I mean, when you read and understand what's said here, it's not a matter of making demands. Well, come on, honey. You know, um, that's not what he's saying. He said we respect one another in this whole issue. And, and, and be sensitive to one another. Okay? Um, no manipulation here. Many times sexual stuff is used by uh, sometimes women, sometimes men. I will say as a man, probably more. I've heard of it more in my experience uh, by, by, by the woman. That doesn't, that's just my experience in talking with, with people and so forth. Um, that it uses the manipulation tool to get what she wants or to get, to get certain things or to get certain things done or, or whatever it might be. That's not the purpose of, of, of lovemaking. It's not the purpose of it. It's not to be a manipulation tool. It's not to be a, a reward or punishment or be, you know, be a good boy and good things will happen. That, that's not the purpose of this. This is an expression of love. And the Bible makes it very clear. When that kind of stuff happens, we come away with a marriage that's got... It's, it's, it's all out of kilter. It's not the way God intended it to be. Because all of a sudden it becomes a performance-based thing, it becomes this type of thing, and there's a sensitivity there to one another, the husband to the wife, the wife to the husband. I've heard some incredible stories, horrible stories, of, of, of husbands making demands on their wives, sexual. I've heard equally other, other equally horrible stories of wives being totally oblivious to the, to the desires of their husband. See, both are wrong. We don't make demands, nor do we ignore each other. We're sensitive to that if we love each other, which is what this is supposed to be. Um, lovemaking is to be centered on your wife or on your husband. You know, there's a passage of Scripture. I'm, I don't have it for you on PowerPoint, but I'm going to read it, read it to you anyway that um, I thought of after I sent these off to Steve to put up for me. Um, there's a passage of Scripture that you've probably heard. Well, I've, I've read it before. I hope you've heard it. And uh, it's a good, it's, a, it's probably some of the best marital advice. It's not in the context of marriage, in the, in the context of human relationships, but it's probably some of the best marital advice I could give anybody, sexually or any other way. And it goes like this. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on this. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only of your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. Just, just do that to your wife or to your husband. Just think about it in that context. It certainly means that. It means more than that, but it, it certainly means that. Don't be selfish. Think of the other person first. Pretty good sexual marital counsel right there, right from the Bible. Love make it should be centered on your wife or on your husband. Third thing, third thought. Here you go. I know some of you guys are thinking, <laughs> I'm glad he got to this one. Love making should be frequent. You say, is that in the Bible? 
Yes, it is. Let's take a look at it again. Same, same, don't deprive each other. Now watch this. The only exception to this rule, 1 Corinthians 7, 5, the only exception to this rule would be the agreement, the agreement of both husband and wife to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. Why? So they can give themselves completely to prayer. Huh? Afterward, afterward, they should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt them because of their lack of self-control. Isn't the Bible practical? I mean, it's just amazing. You say, that's just, that just is really amazing. It is. Listen, even the Bible says that it's not good for a husband and a wife to be separated sexually for a very long period of time. Things happen. Sometimes there are health issues. I understand that. Sometimes there are business trip issues, children issues, all kinds of things happen. And that's where we both need to keep the communication lines open and be able to talk to one another and be able to pray for and with one another. Sometimes those things happen. But barring those exceptional things that all of us have had to deal with, if we've been married very long, and I've been married, we've been married 32 some years and some months and just about everything not everything, because we've been very blessed with good health, but you know, about everything that can happen in life with kids and all this other kind of stuff you know, can happen. I remember one time, um, how she, she hates this when I do this. When I, when I, she knows when I, when I leave my script and I start ad-libbing. <laughs> she hates this. <laughs> I remember one time when things were just kind of happening really cool and our oldest son was a teenager and he was gone, and things were just, you know, kind of happened there at, 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 at the teeter's home, and it was kind of looking kind of fun and kind of kind of everything. And, and, and he called, Christopher called, my son called. And, hey, I can't make it, I, you know, I'm going to break my curfew, and here's why I'm going to miss my curfew, and told me all the reasons why. And, 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 and my, I thought in this particular circumstance it was okay. I said, okay, don't worry about it. Get home as soon as you can. And Charlene really disagreed with that. Well, all of a sudden, the lights of love got really dim in the teeter's home that night. And the lights weren't on, okay? And not for good reasons either, but for bad reasons. Things happen like that. They can put dampers on your love life. That was a, that was a temporary thing. In many cases, it can be longer. And you deal with that. You have to deal with that. You deal with that through communication. You deal with that through prayer. You deal with that with just sitting down and having heart-to-heart talks. In some cases, venting. In some cases, just being, but in all cases, just being honest with one another. And that's the issue. But here's the overriding biblical principle. And that is, I think it's interesting because the lack of self-control is assumed. See, look what he says. They should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt them because of their lack of self-control. He doesn't say if they lack self-control. God knows we're all human. He knows we're weak. He knows where we need some help. And he's saying, hey, self-control, you know, you, you, yeah, you've got to have self-control, but, you know, you're still human. And the point being, have some frequency to this thing called expressing your love to one another because of the world that we because of what's going on around us. And, and I'll tell you, that's false intimacy which is one of the things that some psychologists have, have sort of attributed to pornography and, and strip clubs and places like that. False intimacy. It's not true intimacy 
but it's the closest thing we can get. That's always, that's always second or third rate. What we need is true intimacy. God shows us how that happens. It happens between a husband and a wife in this beautiful thing that only God invented, and it's called sex. And he says, that's something that needs to happen on a pretty frequent basis of expressing your love to one another. You say, what's frequent? You know, that's something you, you need to talk about. I can't, I can't answer that for you. Some people, you know, and, and some, there's all kinds, of, I've read all the studies, and some say, you know, a husband and wife, you know, the average is, I've heard everything from once a week to three times a week to once a, every two weeks or whatever. And, and you know what? Everybody's different. But here's what I do know. If you haven't had an honest, blunt discussion with your wife or your husband about that, there's no way they're going to know. And I'll go a step further. In 30-some years of marriage, that discussion doesn't take place one time. That discussion needs to take place pretty, pretty frequently. By I say frequently, I mean there are different phases of life that we all go through, sometimes just in the course of a year. Okay, so that needs to, that needs to take place. And that's something only you and he or her can come together and really talk about and be very open and be very blunt and be very honest and be very straightforward. You know, whatever you got to do to make that happen. I knew a couple one time they couldn't talk about that <laughs> unless they turned out the lights. Well, turn out the lights and talk about it then. You know? <laughs> and, but I mean bluntly and straightforward. And it, it, it's, it, it seriously is appalling to me, saddened me to me, how many times I have run into husbands and wives who haven't had some honest, not heated, not somebody's angry, but blunt discussions about this. I suggest you start those, those times with prayer and you end them with prayer. Just to make sure there aren't, because sometimes it can be a very heated thing. It can be a very emotional thing. And I don't mean necessarily to sit there and have a prayer meeting and say, God, help us here. We need some help. And then when you get through, you just say, God, help us to, help us to be to each other what, God, what you want us to be to each other. Because that's really the issue here. Lovemaking should be frequent. Last thing is this. I've already touched on this. Lovemaking limits temptation. Now, that, back to that verse that we saw earlier. Um, don't deprive each other. And, you, and the part that I'm interested in is that last, last sentence. Afterward, they should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt them because of their lack of self-control. The implication there being that we might be tempted because we have been apart physically and sexually. I know men in, in, in some business situations who, who desire to live for God and love their wife the way God wants them, who, who go to great expense, extra expense, and great trouble to make sure they're not separated too long in terms of business and, and whatever reasons from their wives for the, for the sake of, of, of temptation. Now, sometimes that can happen, if you, particularly if you're overseas on a trip or whatever, you're in the military or something like that, and that's where you just ask for God to give you grace, and he'll do that. I believe he'll do that. So lovemaking limits temptation. Um, a good sex life limits temptation. It really does. Wives, think about that. Your husbands, think about that. That you can be a part, and I'm going to put it that way, I'm a, I'm a guy, and you know I'm going to come from a guy's perspective, but it works both ways, please understand that. But, but wives, you can be a part of your husband really having an easier time in his relationship with God because he's so 
intoxicated, to use the biblical word, with you and your love and your, and your um, love of him and on him. And it works both ways. Husbands, same thing. You know, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that it's hard for me to understand as a guy. And, and again, I, I've dealt with more of this than I really care to, care to but I, I'm happy to help. When it, I don't mean to say I'm happy to help where it, it comes up because it does come up frequently. Here's a couple just, I won't use names because I'll use somebody's name here probably without even thinking about it. But here's, here's this couple who both love God and they love each other. Distance has gotten into their marriage and they're not, they're not, there's not, the fire's not what it once was. That happens. And there's some distancing there and they're making love pretty infrequently. And all of a sudden, here this guy is in his work, or maybe she is in her work, and, and somebody comes along and they're paying them special attention, and they're finding out, but you know, you're pretty cool. You're kind of even sexy. And all of a sudden, boom. And you go back and you don't, and, 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 and you go back and you talk to those people, and one of the things, if I'm counseling with them as a pastor, I, I, I'm real blunt. I say, when's the last time you guys made love? If you can't handle that, you know, I'm not the guy. Because I'm just going to be real blunt with you. Well, it's been, it's been a while. Really. And you're surprised that something like this is happening? You know, do we need to sit and talk about this? Now, is that all? No, that's not all. And I'm not saying that. Because there's so much more here. There's the whole thing of the emotional. There's the whole thing of the spiritual intimacy. There's the whole thing of, the, of those other kinds of intimacy that we've talked about. Physical, which is, which is affection. And, and, and emotional, which is the heart-to-heart talk. Which is, there's the spiritual, which is just the, the times of coming before your God together. All of that is wrapped up together. But all that goes together. And, and when we have that distance get between us, things are going to happen. Because people are people. And what I'm suggesting to you is one of God's creations, and as a person assuming you're a person who desires to be what God wants you to be, don't let that happen. And this is a huge area. And we're seeing it happen today, and then they go from, from person to person, in some cases from bed to bed, and they still don't get satisfied. They don't understand why. Because God didn't make us that way. He created the whole package. He created the whole intimacy to be emotional and physical spiritual, and sexual. We've just sort of taken that one part. And we've even messed that up. As we're going to. When we only take part of what God teaches us. Four things real quick. Let me just, let me just hit them real quick and I want to stop. Principles of fulfilled lovemaking. Lovemaking is intended for a lifetime love affair. Lovemaking should be centered for only your wife and your husband or on your wife or your husband. Lovemaking should be frequent. Lovemaking limits temptations. Listen, two things real quick and we've got to stop. I want to end partially the way I ended last week. What if I messed this up? Whether it be in an adulterous relationship or whether it be I've messed it up with my mate. I haven't been as sensitive to him as I should have been. I haven't been as sensitive to her when she's not felt good, as I should have been. I've been, been a little intimidating. You know, or I haven't been as, as willing for him or for her as, as they were. What if, you know, the great thing about God's program 
And the redemptive theme that he gives us is, today is a new start. And I don't, I don't care, I don't care where you've been or what you've done. But you can start now. And the teaching, the teaching is amazingly elementary to me. It doesn't take a great exegete of the scriptures to get these principles. I mean, sort of self-confession there, but I mean, it doesn't. It's there. It's very obvious. It's very clear. There's not a lot, a lot, a lot of ways you can interpret those verses. I mean, they're, they're pretty, pretty straightforward and pretty simple. And part of my prayer, part of your prayer, needs to be, Lord God, first of all, I need to seek your forgiveness. In some cases, I may need to seek the forgiveness of my mate. And you can do that very privately, very discreetly. Maybe not here. Maybe when you get to a little more alone place. Maybe you need to seek their forgiveness for being insensitive in this area. Whether that be being too forceful or not being willing or whatever that happens to be. That's the first thing. Just thank God for his forgiveness. And then if you need to, seek forgiveness from that person that God has blessed your life with, your husband or your wife. But the other thing, I just have to mention this. I continue to be just, and I've been studying the Bible for a long time, but I continue to be just blown away by how God cares about the whole person. This isn't something he's leaving to HBO and Sex and the City to tell us about. It's all right here for us because God cares about that aspect of our lives. And I just love that. I just love that. And when I don't know, it's because I haven't gotten the right person to teach me or gotten the right thing there or just haven't read the Bible that talks about that. God cares about your whole person and how you live, how you relate to your mate, and how you deal with your kids. He does because he loves you that much. Let's pray together. Lord, along with everyone here, I just, these are, this is a very sensitive subject. And in some cases, we can kind of chuckle and laugh about some things. In some cases, some things hit us in our hearts where we just kind of think, Lord, I've I failed in this area or I've sinned in this area. And Lord, I pray, whatever the situation may be, that each one of us would come with our own, with our own baggage, with our own deal, and come to you and say, Lord, I need forgiveness. And in addition, Lord, I need you to give grace to my husband or my wife to give them grace to forgive me for some things that I'm going to have to talk to them about and give me the strength to do that because it's easy to let that stuff slide. And Father, we know the true forgiveness of any of our sin. While it come, might come and it might involve another individual, true forgiveness ultimately must come from you, Lord. And for some of us, that may even mean we start there. We might even start by saying, Lord, first, I want to seek your forgiveness. I want to, I want, I want to trust in Jesus who came and, and died for my sin, went to, the, went to the grave and rose again to give me new and abundant life. I want to trust you right now. You can do that right where you're sitting. For some of us, Lord, we've done that. And we just need to come to you again and say, Lord, here I am again, hat in hand, saying, Lord, I need, I need forgiveness. And I know by your character 
and by the things that you tell me in, in the Bible, that you're going to forgive me, and I'm grateful for that. And I thank you, Lord. We pray for each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Watch carefully these words. This is very apropos to what we're talking about. 